Hey, hey, son, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, sustainability, travel, and more. I'm your host, Sydney-based Finn Saturauma Spencer. Listen in some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered once a month on the first Wednesday. Sydney Siders introducing Venla, a new second-hand fashion store with the Nordic twist, located in Mossman, Sydney. Venla Rent a Rack solution makes it possible for you to monetize your pre-loved good quality fashion items and sell them in an easy and convenient way. You can of course also find new loves. Join Venla team to help reduce fashion waste. Check out venla.com.au for more details. That is venla, V-E-N-L-A.com.au. Super excited about my guest Danish Karin Adcock, who is a highly successful business leader in Australia. She has won twice the Telstra Business Women's Award in New South Wales and has been also awarded a diploma of the Danish Export Association and Prince Hendrik's Medal of Honor in recognition of outstanding services to trade relations between Denmark and Australia. And as well as InStyle Magazine's Australian Women of Achievement Award business category. Karin established the massively successful jewelry company Pandora in the Australian and New Zealand markets, which you have surely seen in every shopping centre in the country. Today, Karin's portfolio has expanded to Winmark Wines in the Hunter Valley. Karin and her partner John took over the estate in 2016 and have now restored the property to its former glory. Now, I'm very curious to learn more about Karin's career, her highs and lows, and what are her secrets to her amazing success. Welcome, Karin. Great to have you here as my guest. Thank you very much. Now, you have a most amazing career in business, and you have done so many things, and they've been so successful. So can you tell us, to our audience, a little bit about your background? How did it all start it? So I um, have been in Australia for 26 years and uh, is originally trained as a school teacher, but never never actually worked as a school teacher. Um, I came to Australia when I was about 31 uh, with two suitcases and uh, three thousand dollars in my pocket, and that was uh, <laughs> that was it. And and had met um, a young man in 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 Hong Kong, which. Um, which lived in Perth, uh, Brooke, which um, which later became my husband, and um, and we lived in Perth for the first year. And and to be honest, when I came to Australia, I didn't quite know what I was going to do, uh, and I had um, had but uh, were not able to carry on with the line of business I had been doing in Denmark. So I sort of had to try to to reinvent myself. Um, and and did quite a few different things, uh, but in 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 2004 and I came in in 96 or 95 actually in 2004 um, I got the opportunity to um, to distribute the Pandora jewelry brand 
into Australia, New Zealand. And uh, that really just came about because a good friend of mine was telling me about this amazing um, jewelry brand in Denmark, which was starting to do really well. And uh, she thought that maybe that would be something for me, which I could do in Australia while also raising my small uh, children. And um, and I got really intrigued. And I went back to Denmark to have a look at it and ended up meeting up with Pandora. And so long story short, I think that there was really only two reasons why I got the agency. And one was I was Danish, so they didn't need to speak English. <laughs> and, and secondly, we were so far away, so if it didn't work, it didn't really matter. And um, at the time, I actually had three uh, very young children. But in that very first interview I had with Pandora, I kept talking about my seven-year-old daughter, sort of at times throughout the, the, the our first conversation. Uh, but I never brought up that I had two kids under two because I thought if I were to say that, I probably wouldn't get the age. <laughs> so they, um, they said to me, um, go home and do a marketing plan. And we don't want to talk to you for another couple of months. We're busy and we, everybody's going off on, on, on holiday and we have some trade fairs coming up. So come back to us 1st of September with a marketing plan and then we will um, we'll see how it goes. And when I got back to Australia, I was very keen to get um, this agency. And I got a little bracelet in Denmark, which I had fallen in love with. So I I thought, um, I really thought that that bracelet could, could that, that, that concept could do really well in Australia. So when I got back, I thought I got to make sure I do not just a, a marketing plan, but a proper business plan, because um, there's just so many different assets of, of um of how to plan this business, and I really want to get the agency, so I've got to present a proper plan to them. So I took a TAFE course in how to do a business plan because given the house were pretty busy with small kids and everything else, I thought I, I, I needed to force myself to do that. Mm. And I said to my teacher, this is very real. There's this agency I really, really want to get. So can you help me create a great plan? So we were sitting before and after some of the the the, the evenings uh, to just make sure that my, my plan was perfect. So um, I, I, I sent through the plan on the 1st of September and on the 1st of October, uh, Pandora came back to us and said, uh, yes, he could have the agency. At the same time, um, my husband had been very keen to get a taxi business and um, and on the 1st of October, that taxi business also came through and our, our pair at the time, she got completely overwhelmed and she resigned on that 1st of October as well. So it was a bit of a melding pot. <laughs> quite <laughs> quickly. And um, my husband was also a pilot uh, with Qantas, so he was, was flying a lot. So the first couple of months, I did spend a lot of time in the taxi business during the day to, to um, because as a new owner, you've got to actually show your face there while I was trying uh, also getting, getting some of the first doors on board. And and after the first Christmas, I, I I was very very excited about the opportunity for Pandora, and I said to to, to Brooke, I really think I need to focus hundred percent on on uh, building the Pandora business because that there's so much potential in that business. Um, and the first year and a half, we literally worked out of our garage um, in Avalon, and then our pair helping with 
with the three girls and um and 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 started getting a couple of of staff on board which which helped out of the garage and then in uh, a year and a half down the track we moved to Monoville um and and within a very short period of time grew the the team to about 30 people within that little office space and and in 2007 we uh, found a dedicated quite large office in Worrywood where we could um where we really could grow the business and look, there were many times in the Pandora journey where I thought I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to take the business to the next step because I didn't have any formal business acumen or business training, but I had a, a strong sense of what I felt was right and wrong, and um, I was quite good at getting people to come with me on the journey and. And um, and I had a very strong passion for the brand and and for the people I worked with and and for the many many um, stores we started working with. So um, so at some point I got a business coach on board who um, uh, because I, I I literally thought I you know, had to have to um, hand over the reins to a sort of professional um, CEO and at the same time I just didn't want to do that. And, and yeah, isn't it that you require so different type of skills when the business grows? So you you and and then yeah. if you don't have it yet, then the options are that you kind of give it someone else to run it, or then you have to actually really develop your those skills yourself. Yeah. So what I, I worked out with my business coach, she said she she would normally spend about ninety five percent of her time working with the senior management and CEOs on. The importance of 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 um, emotional intelligence, and you know, I hadn't even heard about that expression before. I didn't know what it was, but what Chris was saying to me, but you have that innately. You just have that. We don't need to spend any time on that. We need what we need to spend time on is just to building you up, so you have a really strong team around you, and then you can be the glue which keeps it all together. Hmm, and 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 that and that what what we then set out to do and and got some very very talented people to come in in the different to to look after the different disciplines within the business and that actually really did make a a huge difference and that meant I could keep um, working on the areas I was really good at and then uh, work very closely with the individual um, uh, VPs who then looked after merchandising or marketing or sales or finance, IT, as as the business were growing. Mm-hmm. And at that around that time, we could also see sort of from a global level that we needed to to really grow the business further that we needed to to develop a friend went that journey. And um and I was quite humble about that. So I didn't just want to say, oh, yeah, let's build a franchise network. Um, I, I needed, we needed to spend some time on really identifying, so what does that mean? How, what is franchising? How would we develop um, Pandora into a franchise network? And, and obviously you can only do that if you have some very hands-on experiences in how do you then run a store. So we needed to open our first couple of, of concept stores to really get that nitty-gritty understanding of all the ins and outs of how do you run a successful uh, Pandora concept store. And once we had that 
sort of very well laid out, then we could then say, right, so this is what a franchise system could look like and then do a very detailed manual, which so we could, could start duplicating um, the concept stores and, and getting franchise partners on board. So while we were, we, we were developing the franchise system, we also started being in discussions with um, Pandora in Denmark. Um, Pandora had at that time grown globally to be a very um, large brand and many, many countries came on board. And at that time, we were, about, we were responsible for around 15% of the global turnover. And there was about 50 markets on board. And Pandora was bought out by private equity. And they, um, they obviously wanted to take on the very key markets and become owners of, of those key markets. So they, we, we started a conversation with Pandora around how could they essentially buy us out. And it wasn't that we could, we had this business, we could just go out and sell to whoever wanted to pay the most for it because at the end of the day, we had a, we had a distributor agreement with, with Pandora and they could also just cancel that. But they, they chose not to do that. They, they wanted us to be part of the new of the new Pandora being owned by private equity and they, and, and we ultimately ended up agreeing for them to buy us out. And then uh, I was supposed to stay for, for two years as the local CEO and ended up staying for three years. And, and, and during those last three, three and a half years, I ended up being on the global management team, which meant that I had to travel to generally to Denmark once a month for the global management um, meeting, which were um, partly um, um, the executive team in Denmark, but also partly the, um, the CEOs from the, from the key market across the globe. And that was obviously super exciting to be part of that, but needless to say, also very draining because we do live, live 25 and, and, and flying back and forth like that, 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 that was challenging. And, um, and in 2012, I felt it was time for me to, um, to, um, to step aside um, because uh, it, it had taken its, its toll in a big way on me and, and the family and still had three young kids, which obviously had grown up, but they needed, they needed my attention. And, and I felt that it was time for me to, to go. So um, a super exciting eight years with Pandora, where I learned a lot uh, and learned a lot about resilience and, and how important it is um, when you're passionate about something how you can really drive it quite far if you are able to get the right team around you and and making sure that they are allowed to 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 grow and and really be part and be proud of 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 what we are creating mm, that's a, that's an amazing story now how big the bandora was here when you left We had about 85 concept stores. And um, we been, been five years after we started Pandora here, we turned over 187 million in Australia. 
And I think when I left in 2012, um, we had sold something like one and a half million bracelet across wow, Australia and New Zealand. So it, it, it was, um, it, it was um, a, a quite a, a, a large business and, and yeah, so 85 concept stores and I think around 350 wholesale accounts across um, the, country, the countries, Australia and New Zealand. Wow. And uh, we had around 420 staff uh, when I left. That's, quite a uh, few of them out in retail stores, but certainly I think about 130 in the head office where I was. So it was hard. It was difficult to say goodbye to everybody. I, I, I did. I loved being being um, being part of that business, but I did really feel it was time for me to um, to move on. That's that's a great success story. And, but and what um, I wish. Yeah, my, I wish I had um, allowed myself to then really take some time out and not just rush into something else. I wish I had taken a year off and sort of not not forced myself to make any decision whatsoever on what to do next. And and I think that's I am I think I am an entrepreneur at heart. So I I don't I'm not very good at sitting still for too long. Yeah. Um, but I so I did quite quickly venture in to to do um, some other um, wholesale businesses and 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 some worked and some didn't work and some of it had tried for a little bit too late. Hey, this is actually not working. I've got to stop it. Um, I did a, a, a jewelry brand called Alex Sonani for. Oh, for almost two, two and a half years and quite quickly you know, opened some retail stores, got staff on board and, and had a phenomenal staff. And we were, we were really, um, I think we could have done quite well with that business, but um, uh, it for various reasons, I can't really go into um, to full extent here, but um, I could see that we could not make this business viable within the first five years of our distribution agreement. And hence I had the real chance of actually um, the brand being taken away from me because I only had a five, five year agreement. So um, I couldn't, we simply couldn't run that, run that chance and we couldn't agree on, 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 on getting a better distribution agreement in place, which could secure us. So I could essentially have spent all this money building the brand and then, and then be left with the nothing after five years. And, and ultimately we made the decision that we, 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 we had to close that business down, which were a great shame, but um, you know, you live and you learn. And, um, and, and I think part of, of, um, of life is also that you learn when you have to make a call of stopping something if it if it ultimately is not going to work and then move on from there mm, absolutely and, and that was hard it yeah. was it was definitely hard and for quite a while I did feel like a massive failure that um I I put so much into getting this second business up and running um uh, and, and invested a lot of money. I've got some brilliant people on board, which some of them had left good jobs too because they trusted me and wanted to work with me. And then ultimately, you know, there was a point where I just had to close it down. Mm. That, uh, that, was, uh, that, that took me a little while to 
sort of digest and accept that that's also part of the journey and and um you know and I know in my heart that I did the absolute best I could to make that business work mm. and uh, all odds were against us and it I could not keep putting money into that business and um, um so I had to be realistic about that mm. can we go back to you know whole the bandora and then and then your second business what are what were the kind of i think if you think about you as a nordic person your and your features and values and and beliefs so what were those things that you think that helped you to succeed as a as a dane i think one really important thing is that sort of my upbringing in denmark have i've always it's always been a big thing in wherever i was that that there was a proper respect amongst people uh, regardless where you came from and who you were and um and i think one really key ingredient in the success of pandora were exactly that respect and it didn't matter where you sat in the organization there had to be that fundamental respect so and i i try to instill that in many many ways but one for example were that we would have morning tea every wednesday morning So regardless where you came from in the business, you know everybody would meet up and and have a morning tea and and talk across the different departments. Um, early on, when we weren't so many in the business, we Brooke and I had a, a handsy um, a sailing boat where we could have up to twelve people on board. So we employed in a skipper who was partly a skipper, but also a maintenance guy in in across the office. And if the weather was good, uh, we would we would have a board in the canteen where we would say the boat is going out quarter past five. Who wants to get on it? And people could just put their name down again, regardless where they came from in the business. So people started building relationships right across the business and getting to know one another. So somebody in finance would be out on the boat together with somebody in the picking room and somebody in customer service, and they would start getting to know one another and have respect for one another and i think that really helped um i think fundamentally when you get to meet each other and understand where people are coming from and who they are then you just inherently treat each other nicely or or treat each other nicer and we we had a situation at some point where we just could not deliver enough um jewelry to the stores and we would have stores ringing us leading especially leading up to christmas and literally abuse some of the staff on the phone and then um, i thought we've got to do something to stop that because um it's easy to sit and 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 abuse somebody on the phone you don't know but if you actually know the person then you've got to be nicer you've got to be more civil and more polite so i thought okay let's invite all the stores to come to the office And have a and and have a big day where we take them right through the office and and uh, get them to meet all the different people and literally f- follow. Back then we got faxes, so the orders would be faxed in. See what happens from the moment the fax arrive uh, on the machine until it's shipped out. And we would come in sometimes in the morning and we would have two hundred faxes lying on the floor, which <laughs> because you know the machine had just gone crazy with all these these orders coming through. So we ended up having these. We call them buying days, where we invited stores twice a year to come to the office, and um, 
And because we had quite a few stores, we would end up doing it over three days. We had somewhere around 100 to 120 people coming at the time and literally be in the office from 10 in the morning and then finish off with a, a big dinner somewhere and sometimes even some live music and some dance. So they literally were with us from 10 in the morning to 11 at night. Needless to say, great relationships were built between the stores and and the guys in customer service or the guys in the picking room because suddenly, you know, they be, both ends of the phone line became human and they got they became friends. Yeah. And um and and that helped enormously in um in building that fundamental um respect for one another. And that uh I think um was quite profound in um yeah in, in building respect and I gotta say too, I, I've um, I have fired some senior managers which have come in and within a week or two weeks showing that they can't say good morning to their team. Wow. Tough luck. If you can't say good morning to your team, you know, <laughs> then you don't belong here. No. You, you, you know, you've got to have decency just to say, you know, hi, how are you? Good morning. Have you had a good? You know, just, 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 um, just be be nice, nice and normal. Yeah. Yes. You go. You go very far in life if you're nice and normal and respectful to other people. Yes. So that was interesting that you said that you um you now regret that you didn't have a break after Pandora that you kind of started the started the business new business again. So do you think do you think now looking back that the break would have made a dif- a big difference that you would have maybe not started that second business? Yes. I think so. I think that maybe I would have um, spent some time to really try to work out what was important for me to do. And I think it's just, um, you know, because I had lived Pandora for eight years and it became such a big part of my life, I was I just felt I lost my identity a bit. Right. And and I wish I'd spent some time on trying to... to um, to just reestablish so what is it I what is important for me and and what should I really spend my time doing mm-hmm. interesting and and I think um and I, I, I and I have spent some time also after close to Alex and Anna they're trying to identify so what should that be and that's where I think where I have landed now and I'm saying landed because it wasn't intentionally but now you know I, I'm I'm an owner of a vineyard in the Hunter Valley um, and have accommodation here for 34 people we have built a cellar door where we sell beautiful Chardonnay and last weekend we opened an art gallery and if somebody would have asked me five years ago what I would do in five years time it would not even have come close to be on my mind as as something I could possibly do and yet here I am so, mm. so and, how, and I love did, it yeah how did it all start where did you got the idea and so it was it really came about as um a, a, as a, a bit of a fluke really uh, that the, this opportunity to buy this beautiful property at the former pools rock um estate in um in broke in the in the western part of the Hunter Valley and and um, and we initially just bought it to to come up and and be with family and friends and have it as a as a weekender. 
But when we then started being up here, we realized that this property had a history of producing great Chardonnay. Plus, the property is just a really stunning property. So I just started seeing lots of potential in what this property possibly could do. And um, and we got a really good team on board to help us bringing the vineyard back to life. Uh, the vineyard had been run down um, the previous five years. Um, it was originally owned by David Clark, who was the founder of Macquarie Bank. But when he sadly passed away in 2011, he um, his estate was sold to ADL, and ADL did no good for the property. Um, and when we came, there were some blocks which were dead, and and some blocks were barely alive. And we we then um, spent uh, pretty much the first three years on, on on bringing the vineyard back to life. And we have we are now seeing the result of all that. Um, time and, and and money and effort we have put into um, bringing the vineyard to life and and um, are now enjoying a, a really really nice um, vintage um, 19 uh, which we harvested um, just Chardonnay because that was what the property was known for being good at so we decided to just stay the Chardonnay uh, so. So little by little, I realized that this property here is actually a perfect place for me um, to uh, do all the kind of things I really enjoy doing and then turn them into a business. You know, I, I, I love creating beautiful spaces, um, both um, in terms of gardens and parks, but also um, uh, do beautiful, create beautiful spaces within houses. And, and we now have four four houses on the property which people can rent. Um, so it's certainly not your typical guest house. Um, a lot of uh, TLC have been put into creating each of these spaces and and, and all sorts of art and, 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 and special pieces I have found on my travels around the world are, are across the houses. But also now realizing that the Chardonnay have have the, the 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 great potential it has we have decided to to open a cellar door and we opened our cellar door eight months ago and and it's wonderful to see how how people actually just drive past the property and see how nice the property looks and then they decide to to come back turn around and come back nice. <laughs> and see what what we have done and about a year, a couple of years ago, I slowly started finding a few sculptures around the place. And and, and we now have a, a sculpture park um, and are encouraging people to come and visit our cellar and then go for a walk amongst the sculptures and, and really um, take it all in and enjoy being here. And, and that has now ultimately led to also having a, a proper art gallery. I did actually initially start an art gallery two years and two years ago in in one of the guest houses, but that didn't work because that guest house is is now very popular and is booked out every weekend. So although we had beautiful art in the guest house, it didn't work because when people came to look at the art, they couldn't uh, because the art was. Um, I mean, there were people staying in in, in the house, so. Um, 
So the fact that we have a dedicated art space now, that that's wonderful. That's great. Um, what what do you think drives you? Because you obviously have to like starting this one yet, you have to learn lots of new skills. And and so what do you think uh, is something that drives you to kind of come up with these new ideas and, and return them to a great success story? You know, I, I, if I'm to look at really what it is which drives me, I think it is just, I just really do enjoy to, it, I know it sounds a bit, so, so it is to, um, to, to make people happy through exceptional experience. And, and that is really what I keep coming back to. And for those who might hear, hear this podcast and work with me back at Pandora, that was actually our, our mission statement for the company, to make people happy through exceptional experiences. And when I, when I look back at what it is which are driving me, it, that is really what it is. <laughs> so, so it's important for me that the, the people I have in my team that I can see that they um, enjoy being part of it, that they feel they grow, that they love what they're doing. And and if if somebody comes on board and they don't really feel that this is for them, you know, they end up leaving quite quickly because they they're not really happy here. And mm. but and that's not very often that that happens. But when obviously that does happen from time to time. But the majority of people which which end up joining us, they they really sort of embrace and 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 love what we're doing because it's not just a, a day job it becomes we actually really want to try to make a positive difference to people which which we are surrounded mm. um and i think that's uh yeah that's kind of a big vision statement but i think but it, but at the same time it's also really quite simple but and i think that is what is driving me mm. Yeah, it's isn't it? If it, when you feel that you're doing something that you really love and like doing it and creating it, and then you get, it brings you positive feedback. So that you know, that's kind of that's kind of complicated. You do something and then you kind of get it back in a way that you know makes you feel good. So that's you definitely have find like a right right place and and right yeah, things to do. Yeah, like so. So we're doing, for example, when when we first came here. I thought I really would love to do a beautiful garden, but and I was I, I was doing a lot of gardening back in in Denmark and looked after quite a large park there. But I I don't really know what's growing in Australia and what doesn't. And the Hunter Valley is a very harsh environment. You can have minus five degrees and you can have forty five degrees. So I had no idea where to even start in terms of what plants to grow here to make a beautiful garden. So I contacted Paul Bangay who is an amazing Australian landscape designer and said to him, look, I would love to create a beautiful garden here, but but I don't know even where to start. Would you help us with that? And then we will implement it in our own time. So Paul came up and had a really good look at the property and where we wanted to create this garden. And and then over over some months, um, they, they him, Paul and his team created a, a stunning garden which which we then implemented over a good uh, yeah, six months thereafter and now when we have people in the cellar door and and um, when 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 I'm in residence I would always encourage people to go up and actually go for a walk into the garden if, if I realize that they really love gardens because um 
it does something to you to go into a beautiful garden, to be in a beautiful space. And I, I really want to share that. And I feel if I if that garden is just there for me, that's that's not quite fair. It, it ought mm. to be shared. <laughs> so, yes. and, and people get so excited, you know. And yes, it does mean that they want to come back and they want to bring some friends to come back. And of course, yes, we do want people to more people to come here. But I mean, ultimately, I just really want to share that that special space with them, and that's why I invite them to go in and and see it. That's and nice. I think that's great to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Being a garden in the nature is gives uh, you, you get so so much out of it. It kind of calms you down. I I totally agree with with you. Uh, what do you think you as a Nordic? What's your contribution to Australia? I think um, I think one thing which sit really deep in us um, in, across the board in Scandinavia, where we have. Uh, the, sh- the the very long winter days and the short sort of summers, and and our love for light and our love for creating really beautiful spaces inside because we do spend so much time indoor. I think that um, that that sort of element of really wanting to create nice spaces for people to to be in. I think that's uh, is certainly something I have have with me uh, in my luggage so to speak or that that's important thing for me also um you know be, being in in scandinavia we are generally also quite humble and 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 want to just learn and meet other people for who they are not necessarily where they come from or and and i feel that's um like i'm i'm quite open i think to the fact that we have Learn from early on that um, you know we share we share the workload, guys and girls. It's it's not. I mean, you see more and more that of that here in Australia, but certainly, you know, in 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 Denmark we do. I I did grow up with guys and girls working alongside, doing exactly the same kind of kind of work, and that's you're starting to see that here now, but. I've certainly uh, brought that uh, with me that uh, nobody's going to tell me I can't do that just because I'm a girl, mm. um, because I've <laughs> I, I've done um, a lot of work in my young years, which which were equally, you know, shared with with guys. Um, mm. So sort of an, an an open entry into to different challenges, which were not going to be certainly not going to be set back by the fact that. That I'm girl, or I haven't, or that I haven't got um, a specific training for it. That if if I if I felt that there was something I really wanted to do, and I I had no official training in it, and then I just had to kind of get the skates on and and learn it quick, smart, because it wasn't going to stop me uh, from attacking it and and learning all about it and see if I could make it work. Yeah, totally understand what you mean. I'm very similar. And I, because I want to ask you about, you know, that you have had so many challenges and difficulties and and, and failures, and how do you, um, you know, throughout your lives, and but you 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 kind of just obviously learn and 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 move on. So, are there any specific things that you think that when you face a, a failure or challenge, that how you kind of what's your attitude and how you tackle it? I think one thing is to be very try to be quick at identifying 
where you, what you're not good at and where you need help. And it's okay to ask for help. Like we don't have to be good at everything. And sometimes people say to me, oh, you're so successful and you're good at everything. I said, no, I'm not. There's so many things I'm not good at. But then I, I, I bring people, like I, I find people which are then good at these different things. And it's that collaboration between us which makes it, makes it work. You know, because we, no one can be good at everything. But but we often taught that we gotta pretend that we're good at everything, and we gotta be show that we are successful in everything. But I think the more humble we are about the fact that there are all these things which we can't, but we then find some good people to we work with around it. You know, then that that makes still makes makes it possible to sort of live out that vision you have. So I think if you are clear on where what your vision is then you just got to find out of what are all the little legal blocks to actually get there and, and and who are those, what are the ingredients and who are the the key people you need to bring with you on that journey to get there. Yeah. Previously what you said that you, you have a good emotional intelligence and, and intuition and kind of, but you also need a good self-confidence to actually go and ask for help and and invite those people who are much better than you in some things and and well it's it's very difficult for most of us how did you got yourself so you know like a good self-confidence and and kind of healthy sort of confidence that you you don't have big ego of running things and doing the business i think when i was very young i was put in some um some situations where i was I was challenged big time and I was put in some situations where other people really believed I could do things. I had no confidence myself in that I could do. So I was pushed to do things. I remember once I had to, you know, come up with a plan on on, on, on creating a, a nursery and, and, you know, we were sitting there and trying to, to come up with this plan and writing it all down and then, the person we had to present it to say, "Oh no, don't, don't, don't." Anyway, long, long story short, but but you know the fact that they actually entrusted that we could do it and got us to present what we wanted to do. Literally a couple of hours after we had been given the challenge, next day we got thrown in the deep end, and six months later we had to deliver the finished product, and we actually did. And I think I was twenty-two years old. And 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 we had to plant thousands and thousands and thousands of these specific trees. We had to go out and find the seeds for, and then plant and get staff and get. Um, and on I could go on about that story, but it, it's um, but just having somebody entrusting you at such an early stage, sort of later in life, I realized, wow, um, that actually built me up. That made me believe that hey maybe I can do it if somebody else believes that. So so I then tried that many times in Pandora where we had some we had some amazing stuff and 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 gave them sometimes some tasks which were way bigger than they possibly thought they could ever fulfill and then see them growing with the task. You know, it's wonderful to so so I think being, you know, if you as a person are, are, are quite humble with what you can, but not at the same time, not um, let let that stop you, but just find okay. So, what do I need to do to actually make it happen? I think that's um, 
that's an important ingredient mm. to to then get there. Yeah, and uh, now looking back, all your successes and 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 challenges and your life and you know private and business. What are say if you have to say three big things or important things for you now in life? What are they? I think for me is really try to um, enjoy what I'm doing, which which I am, <laughs> but it's it's that's a key driver for me now like I really want to have fun with what I'm doing now and then I have I obviously have to make sure that I can run it as a viable business and that and 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 anyone in agriculture would know that that's that's difficult <laughs> but um, I want to have fun along the way and then and I think number two is to surround yourself with really good people because if you have a strong team around you and you empower them to um to be able to do the best they can do with, with, with the talents they have, then um, that helps you getting on that right path. And three, I think I think that, that piece I, start, I spoke about early on around respect, I think that, that really is very important, that um, that you have respect for, for people around you, but also that people around you actually can to feel that they have um, the respect from you because um, I think ultimately if, if, if you have that proper respect and, and, and uh, yeah, a respectful relationship, then you can get so much further, both in good times, but certainly also um, in, in very challenging times. And then sort of I can throw a fourth one in, which is there's a little story around that, but uh, when I, again, when I was very young, I think I was 23, and I was sent to India um, to, um, to to try to find a, a building for school. And, and I literally just arrived into Delhi. And at the time, the only way you could communicate was through um, through Telex. So I had to go to the general post office and Telex home and say that everything is fine. I have arrived safe. So I had all my, my big big suitcase and a couple of other bags. And and then I went in one of these little tuk-tuks from the airport to the general post office. And I um, and I was sitting as I got close to the post office and thinking, what am I going to do here now? Because um, should, I, should I take all my suitcases with me into the post office and clearly show the tuk-tuk driver that I don't trust him of soap? Or should I think that believe the best of him and, and and really get him to look out for my things while I go in to send this telex? And and I, I I just couldn't I couldn't um take all my stuff in there with me. I just didn't have the heart to do that. So I looked him deep in the eye and pretty much in Danish because he didn't speak English and I didn't speak much English either said to him that that was all my very precious stuff and if he could look after that while I went inside for 10-15 minutes and then I walked inside and I when I was in there I was absolutely certain that he would be gone by the time I got back out <laughs> and then I got back out and then he was standing there with the biggest smile because he was so proud that I had entrusted him with all my belongings and and then he um and he was so proud that he had done that and 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 he then took me across to this bus station where I had to I had to find a bus. I had to go on an eight-hour bus ride out. 
uh, to Rajasthan, and he um, and he then this thing there's about 800 buses going off that bus uh, bus station, and he went right through, uh, found the bus I was going to get on, got onto the driver, and said to the driver, "This lady, very special lady, very special <laughs> lady." That's the only thing I could understand. And for the next eight hours in that bus ride, I was treated like absolute royalty, and wow. you know I just thought. Just because I entrusted him and thought the best of him, you know, he gave me back tenfold as opposed to, you know, have mistrusted him and not having, I had taken all my stuff away. And I think that was just such a big lesson for me that, um, you know, when you trust, when, when you build, when you think the best of people, you actually get so much more back from them than when you, tr- when you think the worst of people. Mm-hmm. And I have, I really tried to, to live by that um, throughout my life. And I have so many examples of where that has really worked. Mm. That is such a lovely story and, and great ending for our interview. It's been amazing to talk to you, Karin. I am in awe what you've done and I can't wait to see what you do next <laughs> and look forward to visiting your winner. And I will uh, put the Winmark Wines website in uh, in our interview that people can find out about it and I'm sure and come and see your beautiful vignette and your art gallery. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lovely Karen. To talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. I would appreciate if you would leave rating and review. You can also follow Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Boy Huvin Hadesopra, take care.